Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Alex, one half of Be Sober. And I'm Lisa, the other half. We're dead proud to be working with IPHM this season and can't wait to tell you all about them and their services. The IPHM is a worldwide accreditation board with a difference. Their passion lies in helping people live the life they love as well as giving the public the reassurance they need to know they'll be in safe hands. There's a reason all our coaches are IPHM accredited and a reason we are an IPHM accredited training provider because their reputation is simply the best out there. Check them out at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. Hello. Hi. So this is, I think, are we on episode four of the podcast now? It's all becoming a very big blur to me now, Lisa. It's because we're just... I'm in them out in one day. We're pros now. I'm so glad we don't have video now for us and we don't have to look at ourselves because we're in this, we'll be literally in the same, same, same. Can you speak in the same? Because I felt really good today. <laughs> no, you look lovely, but you'll be in the same clothes for a month. <laughs> it's all right. I'm in the Be Sober merchandise. Yeah, not like me with my um, send coffee, please. It's so appropriate for me that. Yes, it is. So come on then, we're not going to have masses of time to chat, but what we do, what we can talk about here actually, is our ambassadorship. Be so yes. ambassadorship. Like, if you don't know this about us, if you don't know this, obviously you've not listened to any of our other podcasts because we're always harping on about it, but we've got a fantastic community at Be Sober. And part of what makes... On what? Well, not part. The heart of Be Sober is the fact that we have this amazing team of volunteer ambassadors who give up their time to support others and to organise face-to-face and online events. And we've had other ambassadors on before, but I have to say, I'm actually a little bit more excited me about this one. I probably shouldn't say that really because I was happy about the others, but Claire's a little bit quieter and more secretive when you speak to her. But she's not in a book. <laughs> no, she isn't, which is my not so secret diary. Um, so yeah, she spills all in that book, which I think is dead interesting. I'm really excited. And I think it is fair to say, actually, Alex, that we're looking forward to this one because she's one of our own. So it, yeah. it, it's really nice. You know, it's so lovely to have any guest on and hear the story. But when you've kind of built a bond, which is what we do in the Be Sober community, we just oh, do. Okay. It's just so lovely to have one of our own on um, sharing a story. So just a bit about Claire before she joins us then. She's actually been sober since September 2016. It's ages ago, isn't it? I know, it's just (laughs) incredible. She actually says it took her a really long time to get sober, mainly because she thought people like her didn't have drinking problems. And I just... So true, isn't it, that? Keeps you stuck forever. It it does. And I think this episode is going to be massively relatable to a lot more people than um, we think it might be because she's just so honest about a story. And she actually says, Claire, that every single night without fail, she was drinking two to three bottles of wine by herself. She says she was kidding herself that she was all right because we all think, and we do before we stop, that mm-hmm. everybody enjoys a drink and we think there's something wrong with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she says she could always think of an excuse to make sure that she didn't miss out and she didn't actually drink for a particular reason. It just seemed 
like a habit. So um, I just think massively relatable and I can't wait to find out more about Claire and her not so secret diary. Oh, this is the bit, Lisa, where we don't know what to say when somebody's coming in. And Well, I don't know what to say and I'll just try and fill it. I don't know why you said that. I could think loads of stuff to say to you right now. Well, why don't you say anything? Because you just leave me sat here going all, getting all, just sorry. Because I thought, I thought you could cut the <laughs> silent bit out. No, I, Hello, I, I get Claire. nervous. I get Hello. nervous in the gap. Hi, Claire. Thanks for coming on. Right, so we're just saying, you know, there's a gap when we bring on our guests, right, between us finishing talking about them, and you have no idea what we've just said about you, and then (laughs) before you coming on, right, so we have this little moment, and I've got anxiety over it, Lisa doesn't care about it, she just sits and just bees all natural, and I'm just like thinking, what am I supposed to say, and do what I do in real life, and start filling that gap with words that don't make any sense. (laughs) That's fine, that's probably what I'm going to do too. (laughs) No, Maybe, maybe Alex, you should start a diary. What do you mean? Like Claire did. Maybe you should start a diary and put all these useless words into that. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's Putting that out, right? Just so that everybody knows in podcast world, right? I am not cutting that out because that is just classic Lisa moment. Filling the <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I did not mean it like that. Oh, my 100%. God. I'm so, <laughs> so it's a good job Brilliant. it's Claire and not like you know someone who you don't know I've actually got palpitations I am so sorry Claire no oh, I have just been saying I'm so excited to have you on because we love having one of our very own on and we are really excited but we're going to kick straight off if that's all right yeah no worries um, so Claire, you once said that you genuinely couldn't imagine a life without alcohol. You're now living, breathing proof that that is possible. It took you a really long time to get sober because you believe people like you didn't have a drinking problem. Tell us more. Well, I think especially I've been sober for five years last month now. Um, but when I got sober, it wasn't really something people spoke about that much, you know, be sober wasn't about like it is now. People, we were still getting pissed. Claire, pissed us. There were a few. We didn't groups, get the memo. <laughs> there were a few groups, but nothing really that I felt I could connect with. So I didn't talk to anybody. You know, there's a lot of shame around it, and and I sort of thought this stereotypical alcoholic or you know somebody with a drinking problem would be sat on a bench without a job. You know, that's what you see, isn't it? That's what you, you're conditioned yeah. to believe. And, and you know, I had a job and I had a house and I had a husband and I had kids. So that couldn't have been me. And um, it was just, you know, it was a, a, just a coincidence that every night I drank sort of two or three bottles of wine by myself. But, you know, that was all right because that's what, what mums do, isn't it? And um, I think that for me it was really hard to to see the two things together and and go oh actually you know what yeah maybe one glass of wine sort of normal but not as the amount I was not as frequently as I was and and I think as well that I was terrified because when I had finally worked out I'd got a problem and I had to admit it it was scary because it meant I had to do something about it I couldn't just bury my head in the sand anymore so yeah it was what, what was that point, Claire, when you kind of realised and thought, you know what, I have got a problem here? 
I think there were a lot of points. Um, but like I said, I, I pushed them all away because, you know, I, I was all right. <laughs> and um, it was a culminate, like, you know, I didn't hit rock bottom. I didn't sort of lose my house or things like that. You hear people sort of end up on the streets or whatever. That didn't happen to me. It was just a culmination of my mental health got worse. My anxiety got worse. I hated like every night I would promise myself I wouldn't drink as much um yeah I would just have a glass but the minute I opened a glass or a bottle that was it I was back exactly where I, I'd been every other night and sort of realizing that realizing that I couldn't stop was hard and then because I was drinking so much every night I was blacking out so the next day it was like what happened what did I say what did I watch what did I talk about and I didn't want to admit it to anybody, like even my husband and my kids, because I, I was so ashamed that I'd got myself into such a, you know, somebody like me in such a position that that must be really strange as sort of how I felt. And I didn't want to, to admit it. So I just spent a lot of time trying to, uh, I don't know, be a detective and work out what I'd said and what I'd done and checking my phone. And oh. it was horrible. Hard work. Yeah. I that blackout bit, you know. I, I, did you, I always ask this and I forget. Did you have blackouts, Lisa? Yeah, a few. Um, I was it, always doing it. It wasn't a regular occurrence but yeah I, de- I, de- I didn't know that that what a blackout was I thought especially when I first stopped drinking I would read about blackouts and think oh no that's not me I was never unconscious that that is how I <laughs> that's thought what it. I thought one was yeah, yeah I didn't realize it meant forgetting big big chunks of your evening it's not even forgetting be- it though is it you never ma- that's the scary yeah. bit yeah, you, just you don't, don't even make the memories them. you don't yeah. record the memory that that just shows us like it's glaringly obvious isn't it the impact it's having on our brain and yet we're doing it as a society I'm talking now regularly as if it's okay just because the government says it's fine that one that drug's fine but that drug's not. And that and it annoys me still. I'll get on my soapbox for a minute now. I can do this <laughs> with you too. Like drugs and alcohol. Like don't keep it separate. It is yeah. a drug. It is addictive. Yeah. It does cause cancer. It does cause us to forget things and act in ways that we wouldn't normally act. And you hear all these kind of little things like, you know, you speak the truth when you're drunk or, you know, all of that. It's all just bollocks, isn't it? I know that's why I hated myself for so long because everyone told me that I spoke the truth when I was drunk. I was like, I God, you're not a nice person, Lisa. You're actually crazy. But um, Claire, I just want to ask you, sorry, Alex, I've pushed right. in here. But um, when you say you were drinking like two to three bottles of wine of night, d- two questions, actually. One, did oh, your she's husband... she's getting bloody greedy now. I know, two. but one, did your husband ever say anything to you? And and two, what was your first step to stopping when you were drinking? Okay, that so I suppose, you know, it didn't creep up overnight. I, I always you know, liked to drink. Um, and I was always sort of one, two glasses, but every evening. And then, of course, your tolerance grows and you don't really realise. And suddenly it's way more than that. Um, I think... Yeah, he noticed and we'd have conversations occasionally. He never asked me to stop. He never sort of accused me of having a problem, but he did draw attention to it. And because it made me realise that I wasn't in control anymore, it kind of made me want to hide it more, which I'm not proud of now, but it's it's sort of defensive mechanism, isn't it? It's like, oh no, I've got a problem. I don't know how to fix it. I'm just going to hide it. Um, 
And because he worked long hours and late, it it made it easier. So when he'd say, oh, you know, I'm going to be late, it's like, oh, yeah, no problem. I can just drink before you come home. And then I'll wash my glass up and put it away. So when you come home, I'll pour my first glass, except it's probably about my fifth. Yeah. And I thought it was normal <laughs> and it was okay. I thought I'd been really clever. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, yeah, of course he knew, but he didn't want to upset me either. You know, he didn't want to, I, I was touchy, so he didn't want to upset me. Was it red wine or white wine, Claire? White, white, really? Mm. Yeah, because you hear that kind of drinking more with, well, I think you do more with red wine drinking, because I was that just me, because I used to do similar, but with red wine. No, I, don't, no. I didn't drink the same as you, didn't drink every single day, like you were saying. Mine was at weekend, but I did those things, you know, like saving a little bit, I do different devious things like saving a little bit in the bottle in the second bottle so that I'd not finished them. And then I'd wake up in the morning and be able to prove that I didn't have a problem yeah. because I had some left weird yeah. things. And like that, you know, having that last little bit of me in the kitchen, hiding it when it, when he'd think I was on my last glass, I'd go and have another one while he was getting ready for bed and stuff. Yeah. Not enjoying yeah. it. Just didn't no. it. Claire, have you ever asked? Has it? Has he know? Has he said anything since you've stopped drinking? Like, did he pick up on these things? I think I was in such a low place when I finally, finally stopped. Um, you know, because it took me probably, like, I would say, like three good goes. I don't, I don't count the not proper attempts, the half hearted yeah. one, but the three proper attempts to stop. And I was in such a bad place that I think we. We don't like to revisit it too much because it, it was rough. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, felt like I lost my mind for a bit there. And um, I look back, it's like, you know, I know it was me. I've got photos to say I was there, but it doesn't really feel like it was me. Um, yeah. You've changed so much as well, won't you, in that time? Yeah. You know, it's everything changes, your, your values, your beliefs, your yeah. outlook on life. You just become so different. Yeah, and I, I know I'm still the same person now. It's just I am the genuine me rather than the one yeah. that's trying to go through the day, looking forward to wine at night, rushing through everything. You know, I I, I used to hide my recycling. I used to, I was so ashamed that the neighbours would hear we have a black box for glass down here. So, you know, they rattle it around and you can hear it going, get thrown in the lorry. Yeah. I used to be mortified. So I'd put it all in the car and take it to the recycling bank rather than leave it out because people would know how much I'd got. Um it's just yeah. mad, isn't it? I only asked that because with my ex-husband, he he drank every single night. And there were times I would kind of walk into a we used to have optics in the living room. I said they were for fashion, but they weren't. <laughs> I thought it was like dead cute. But um, and I used to like catch him pouring, you know, like the spirits into his cup or into a glass. And then I never really knew how to approach it or pick up on it. So sometimes I just didn't say anything at all. So I was just interested to see if he'd yeah. kind of had picked up on them things, but yeah. never actually said anything. Uh, he you gave yeah. me a flashback then, Lisa, of your optic. It was dead weird that. It was there. They were just I know, behind I know, I remember. I remember standing underneath it like that. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who's obviously not able to see that, I do remember standing under it one night. We'd had quite a lot to drink and pushing it. It was a pretend thing. I don't think I was actually getting a shot of anything. We'll get back to our chat shortly. But first, let us tell you a little bit more about our friends at IPHM. 
So IPHM is a worldwide accreditation board with a bit of a difference. They pride themselves in the personal service and it's proper humans in the office checking through the applications. They genuinely know how hard you've worked to start your own business and they'll be there for you every step of the way. Their passion lies in helping people live the life they love, as well as giving the public the reassurance they need to know they'll be in safe hands. So if you want to stand out from the rest and become part of a worldwide recognised organisation, then choose IPHM for confidence and trust. There's a reason all our coaches are IPHM accredited and a reason we're an IPHM accredited training provider because their reputation is simply the best out there. Check them out at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. If we fast forward a little bit then, so you you pass kind of the the point of no return, you've decided to give up drinking. Um, And like Lisa said, if you can kind of elaborate on that a little bit, that would be great. At what point did you go, enough's enough? Yeah. How did you, well, yeah, tell us that first and I'll ask you my next bit. Go on. No, no, sorry for interrupting. I am. I think the first time I, I was just like, you know what, I've, I've got to do something about it. And I was like, right, I'm just going to stop. And I remember I did three days in August and convinced myself that meant I was fixed because obviously I drank every night and this was hard work for me. So three days, like, yes, I'm fixed. I can moderate. And obviously I can't. Um, <laughs> I've illustrated that on quite a few points, but moderation <laughs> does not work for me. Um, so I was back on the same if not more I think this is where it escalated quite a lot I went suddenly from sort of like the one and a half to three bottles because of the trying to stop start I didn't realize how much that was affecting me um so the last two years were pretty messy and then um in the end I thought right I need help I can't do it on my own and I phoned up like the only charity we had around here I'd been carrying a leaflet around for ages I picked it up in the doctors because every time I went to the doctors I'd got cancer or something because I drank too much. I knew I drank too much, but I just couldn't do anything about it. So I was like, always worst case scenario about everything. When I um been carrying this leaflet around, and in the end, I thought, right, I've got to phone them. I've got to do something. And they listened, and they asked lots of questions to make sure my kids were safe and that I wasn't like mistreating anybody. And and then they told me they put me on a waiting list, and they left me there for about six months. Oh my gosh! So that was great. <laughs> By the time I finally got a phone call back. I was drinking again because, you know, I just, I couldn't do it on my own. That was the thing. It was just, it was just impossible. I didn't know how, how to start. And then eventually when I did see them, they said, don't stop drinking because I was drinking so much. I was actually um, dependent on it. So I was told, do not stop because you'll probably be very ill. Um, you need to cut down and I needed to cut down by like a glass a week. So at this point where I hated wine, um, I was being told to carry on drinking, which was really difficult. Um, it's so hard, it is. Yeah, I smashed a lot of wine glasses in that time because I was really angry. It's like, I don't want to drink. I need to drink. I don't want to. Oh, really, God. Really confusing. So, yeah, it was, I was a bit of a mess. Um, but eventually I got put into this group with other other addicts they weren't all alcoholics they weren't all alcohol dependent some of them were drug addicts it was a real mix of of a grape but it was like the only support we could have and uh, it was actually this guy who was um just coming off heroin he said to me why are you even in here you should be in hospital um and I was waiting for detox in the hospital at the time but there was no beds um and they said you know um have you tried this medic- medicine you can have that makes you allergic to alcohol? And I was like, there's what? I didn't know there's anything like this about. 
but because of him I went and made an appointment with my doctor I'm not very good with medical professionals I tend to avoid at all costs so this was quite brave of me I went down and spoke to them I took a little chart I've made a chart of how much I was drinking like how much I should be drinking and watching the graph go down because it made me realize I was going in the right direction and um she was probably the first person that really listened and she said you know yeah you need to get the drinking down a lot more but then they can prescribe me this medication that effectively makes you allergic to alcohol stops you it doesn't stop you drinking it doesn't stop you wanting to drink but when you take it if you do drink you're going to be really ill mm-hmm. so I had to get my drinking down a lot and when I started taking that I suddenly felt like I was in control again because in the morning if I took that it was my choice not to drink yeah, was, yeah. like whether it was a placebo or what I don't I don't care it worked because I knew that I could take something that would make me unable to drink or write off I my yeah, no, I get that because whatever it is, every month you've still got to take that tablet. You've still got to make those steps. I mean, you've got to put the yeah. tablet in your mouth. So it's still, you know, even though it's very much out of your hands in some ways, it's also very much within your control. Yeah. yeah. Can so, I, I think just, kept, go on, please. Sorry, I just want to like go back a little bit to that where you said there was a guy who was actually a heroin addict that then looked at you and said what are you doing here you should be in hospital that must have been like how did you feel at that moment pretty terrible to be honest because I've walked into this group where they all went oh you shouldn't be here until we started telling our stories and then we're like oh yeah you should be here oh bless (laughs) you I want to go back and give you a big hug (laughs) I do do you think this was the most difficult bit for you then I mean in in that part I know you've said before previously to to us that the early years of your sobriety were really really tough so maybe it's not but what was the most difficult bit and then when did you get to the point of being happy so so probably the the most difficult bit was was the admitting it yeah um and the living with I hate it but I felt so much shame I I was embarrassed about letting myself get into some sort of situation that I had no control of Uh, you know I'm a bit of a control freak I like I think that part of my drinking came from being a bit of a perfectionist I couldn't turn off in the evenings I was always on the go so being able to drink was my only time I stopped overthinking. I stopped worrying about what I had to do and just sat. So having to deal with all of that um, and and largely not being in control of it for a bit was, yeah, that was really horrible. Um, and then, yeah, I, I wanted to be fixed immediately because, you know, that's what you read, isn't it? That everybody stops drinking and they're amazingly, I don't know, their mental health's better, they lose weight and all of this. And that wasn't true for me. Um, and, and it took me a good, I hate telling people in case it puts them off. But, you know, well, I think it's important because you know what, you're going to be making somebody feel less alone. If yeah. you feel like that, as you know, as being part of Be Sober, there'll yeah. be a load of other people who feel just as isolated as you felt. So if you're brave enough to share it, Claire, please do, because I think it'll yeah. help. It took me a good two and a half years three years to feel myself to feel happy to feel don't get me wrong I wasn't unhappy but I just didn't feel right I felt like I was missing something so you know you have to retrain your brain don't you when you come off something that you feel like you need that you feel like everybody else has and then suddenly you're watching other people go to a beer garden and thinking why can't I do that and I had to learn that I can do that I just choose not to because me and alcohol don't get on very well 
and I actually prefer my life without it but it was the learning how to do that um that was the hard bit and yeah I think unknowingly like I knew I've always been an anxious person but without the alcohol I didn't realize (laughs) didn't realize how anxious I was like you know I I over worry about um everything like literally from the way somebody looks at me in the school playground I still get a bit like oh what have I done why do they think that about me they're probably looking at something completely different logically my logical side knows that but my worrying side um thinks it's me all the time so yeah stopping drinking made that a huge amount worse and for a long time I thought I've just got to deal with it I've got to deal with it um in the end I did go and speak to the doctor um and actually just before the first lockdown so like a year and a half ago I was prescribed anti-anxiety medication and it was like the first time I was like oh my head's calm um but I've actually I actually came off them about three months four months ago and now I'm like myself for the first time (laughs) and I'm all right you know I still I do have anxious moments and I do have the occasional panic attack um but you know they're largely um controllable and normally there's a decent reason I got pulled over by the police the other day no the poor man man. I had a panic attack on the side of the road oh you're all right I'm like no I'm not because people can see me and they know that like I've done something wrong they're gonna think this is <laughs> oh bless you but like you know actually of all the things to have one that's probably sort of fair enough <laughs> yeah you know I, I honestly this is, this yeah, is probably not real, gonna make you really feel any yeah I would have loved I, I can't wait I still want to be pulled over by the police but I want them to think I'm drink driving and then like I would be devastated if I got pulled over by the police yeah, I'm such a drama queen though aren't I Lisa I mean that I would love that story like honestly I would be yeah. telling everyone that story I, I just I tell everybody about the time I got to put zero units in the dentist I mean that would be epic that one <laughs> <laughs> so go on Lisa um, no I thought it was you Alex no I was I was just going to carry on with that with that line of thought about yeah no go for it sobriety and stuff so you put, obviously you get through this difficult bit you're feeling really happy at what point did the book enter and tell us a little bit more about that yeah so well I, when I would... did you start putting them useless words on the paper <laughs> well I wasn't going to word it like that but <laughs> I've always liked writing but you know I didn't let anyone else read it because well for a long time I, I didn't even keep it because I, I, I was just afraid other people would read how messed up my mind was and um you know, so I was in a pretty dark place for some of it. So yeah, I didn't keep any of it. And then I started a blog sort of accidentally, but I just thought nobody needs to know it's me. So it was my not so secret diary because people could read it, but nobody knew it was me. There were no photos of me. There was no name. There was nothing. And I just started putting my thoughts out there and people started reading it. And it was quite nice because I suddenly started connecting with other people. And this was kind of towards my two years sober. So it, like, I was finally brave enough to admit it. And then I started realizing that there are other people like me. And that was really nice because I thought, okay, I'm not a freak. I'm, I am a bit anxious. 
and I am sober, but you know what? There's other people out there like me too, and it's okay. And um, but I still wasn't quite ready to announce it to everyone. I didn't really tell you know my I told my husband, I told my kids, my my parents, my in-laws. But other than that, I didn't really tell anyone I'd stopped drinking. I sort of became a bit of a hermit, not because I was embarrassed, but just because I just didn't really want to tell anyone, to be honest. I was just trying to deal with myself. So it was it was just something I was just keeping. It wasn't a secret, but it just wasn't something I was broadcasting either. Um, and then somebody in my running club read one of my posts and... By accident or on purpose? Yeah, no, but I think it was by accident. Right. Um, And then they shared it. And I thought, oh, it's all right. I'll see what they think. Um, Because they're kind of a a caring lot. And, you know, they're they're spread out all over the country. So they're not like my neighbours. They're not going to directly know people I know. And they started sharing it more and liking it and commenting. And like uh, amongst the, wow, this is really cool, people actually like what I've written and they understand me and I sort of can connect with them. I was also like, Oh my God, people are reading it. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, then it got shared more and shared more. And then my mum read it and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> it's not secret oh, anymore. That is scary. And then my friends started reading it and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so it's really not so secret now. <laughs> no, it's really not a secret anymore. <laughs> um, but it was fine because actually like nobody judged me and nobody said anything unkind and everybody to some extent got it. And I just suddenly realized that, yeah, I wasn't on my own anymore. It, it was okay. And people don't necessarily get sobriety or get why I'm sober, but that's, that's okay. If they don't need to. I love how it started off kind of, um, that you did keep it to yourself and kept it like a bit of a secret. And now, Claire, like, you couldn't be more not secret. <laughs> <laughs> You're on our, our website everywhere, aren't you? Like, I know. You've got your member. own. <laughs> I, I know you've got all your own stuff going on, but you are one of our, like, most loved ambassadors as well. And you rave oh, about be sober. And you you know what's amazing is because you did say it took you so long to kind of do that you're helping coach newly sober people now how does that feel no what's amazing I I love being able to it makes me feel a bit emotional actually but I I love being able to give something back it sounds really corny when you say that but you know what I, I found it so hard that I would do anything to make it easier for other people you can't fix things for other people you've got to do it yourself but I'd love to help people along the way. That's the thing. And you, and you really do as well. And just t- staying with that theme, like as an ambassador, you know we have the motto, be kind, be brave, be sober. This is a new thing this season, right, we've decided to do. Mm-hmm. We want to know which of those three out of the motto best describes your sobriety and why. Oh, could have prepared me. I know, I'm <laughs> thinking we should. I thought this on the last one, actually. We should maybe prepare people for this question. No, I like to get what what comes out of the mouth from the heart. They go, uh, I want them all. All right, yeah, I was going to say, I, I could probably say all of them, but I, I think you have to be brave to be sober because you fly, you know, you're going against the tide. You're swimming against society, aren't you? But probably let's be kind because I think everybody's in a different stage of their journey and you have to respect that because we like I said we can't do it for anyone else but we can be there 
next to everyone trying to help them along and just yeah just being gentle with other people really because you don't know what's going on behind I I'm a prime example everybody on the outside thought I was all right and I wasn't and you just don't know who who else is like that I just um honestly Claire this has been so far the most for me emotional podcast and I might not be sure but you've made me real like I've got goose pimples and I feel really teary oh, and sorry. I, no I do honestly and I just feel so this sounds so corny but I feel so connected to you right now <laughs> I wish this weren't virtual honestly because I think like I said before I want to go back and give you a hug but now I want to give you a hug now as well <laughs> not just the old you but the new you um Right, because we've got to wrap it up, really. I suppose our I know there's not enough time. Is there is isn't. We've, we've had to narrow them down, and it's so hard. But um, yeah, what we'd love to know is what do you love most about being a be sober member ambassador coach? <laughs> Could you be any more? <laughs> just everything. Um, yeah, I just I just love the whole thing. I love the community. I think community is everything when you when you're trying to get sober when you're staying sober even now like it five years into my journey and I don't ever want to drink again but having a sober community is amazing I love being part of a group of people that you don't have to explain anything to we're we're all on the same sort of journey we've got different paths we've had different experiences but we're all we've got this shared understanding I love it I love being part of something that's so meaningful to so many people Oh, I'm going to have to do another quick one just at the end. <laughs> Stop being greedy. I know, I can't help it. <laughs> because I know that, Claire, you said you, you are like an anxious person. Mm. How did you find joining a community like ours? Did you find it difficult? Yeah, a little bit. Um, putting me back five years, I wouldn't have done it with, like, I would have... I would have struggled and I would have wanted to make sure nobody in the group knew it was me. <laughs> so I'd yeah. probably like had a, a you know, I, I don't know, an alias or something. Only because I think I'm we've so got scared. a few aliases yeah. now, actually. Yeah, we have. Not for long though. They end no. up loving it so much. They like yeah. ended up having it on the profile picture and everything. Yeah, they've got the border know? around, haven't they now as well? The frames that you can get on Facebook and just be sober everywhere and you're like, yeah, I've got one that? Of yeah, I've got mine on. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And then we're kind of in the members only group as well. We do have the option of people being able to post anonymously. I, oh, think, I think which is right. massively. And we know because it's such a small knit community in the members only group that everybody in there is one of our paying members. So they still get as much attention and love and care on these anonymous posts as anybody that's not anonymous. So yeah. there's not yeah. that many though, ever. There's not that many hide their identity really. And even those, like you say, even those that do soon stop. Soon I, go, think oh. I think it's as soon as people realize it's a safe space. Cause I know yeah. I had a, a person that was on my coaching and, and they were afraid to like post in the group because what if, and it's like, no, we're, we're not going to, nobody's going to judge. Nobody's going to, say anything bad you know and they, they lurk for a little bit and they realize that what we say is true and then they yeah. they feel happy and it's nice it's magical it is it's magical and it's like it really is and I think that you know Lisa and I obviously love it 
but our ambassadors love it as well. And it's just, you know, we said it right at the beginning of the podcast to go full circle, but all of you are the heart of everything Be Sober stands for. And, you know, we love the work you do. We love you as individuals. We love that you've all got different stories to tell and how you can just help that one person. It's just amazing. And honestly, we're both so grateful to have you as part of our community, to have us as one, to have you as one of our coaches and ambassador, and obviously as a friend. And thank you for being on the podcast as well. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's, like I say, I, lo- I love being part of it. And you know, thank God, you. Alex, you've got so good at these endings. I know. I, do you remember? I used to have, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not going to be able to do it again now. So you've got to take it to the end now. But honestly, I used to be the shittiest ender in the world, Claire. I used to go right. That's it. <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, right, thanks, Claire. Bye. And now you've mixed up with it. all my words that I wanted to say to her. I've been, I've been with you for too long, see now. This is it. I, it was you've, perfect. You've, it was perfect. I can't do it again. You have to do it now. No, but, you did it perfectly. Thank you so much, Claire. <laughs> very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. Bye. A big thank you to IPHM for sponsoring this episode. They're a worldwide accreditation board with a difference. And if you're working in the holistic or coaching industry, remember to check them out. Visit the website at iphm.co.uk and don't forget to name drop Be Sober when you apply. And if you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out more about us on our website, besoberofficial.com. And until next time, be brave, be kind and be sober. sober.